Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com your host lightninginsider.com is where you can find my written work if you want a subscription to lightninginsider.com if you want to support my written work as well if you go to lightninginsider.com and use the coupon code podcast at checkout I'll give you $10 off your first year subscription Uh, so again that's lightninginsider.com and use the coupon code podcast all right, how you doing, Tampa Bay? How you doing, Lightning fans? This was a uh, up and down game here as we're going to recap and talk about the game number four between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. Kevin Shattenkirk proves to be the overtime hero this time with a power play goal six and a half minutes into the overtime session. And, you know, we'll dissect that. We'll talk about the officiating. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about um, everything that went on in this game. Some great questions that came in, by the way. I'm really looking forward to the question and answer session here at the end. Um, as you know, you guys have been great about that. So uh, keep it up. I really appreciate it. I uh, also want to plug a little bit uh, myself and Jay Retcher from 95.3. If you're not catching the post game wraps that we do uh, on the air on 95.3, uh, we're actually going to join Greg Linelli tomorrow on the Lightning pregame show. Uh, that's on the Lightning Power Play app. Uh, pretty sure it will also be on 970 WFLA as well. So make sure you uh, check that out again. 8 p.m. puck drop on Saturday. So I'm saying tomorrow, but you're probably listening to this to on Saturday. So it'll be later Saturday night that you will be able to find us uh, on the Lightning pregame show. So uh, check out that as well. And uh, boy, where, 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 where do we begin? Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay is now up 3-1. to one. In this series, they have an opportunity to clinch 
the Stanley Cup on Saturday. Um, very exciting time. It's, uh, you know, you even go back to 2004. The Lightning never led that series against the Calgary Flames until they won it. You know, they, they traded victories with Calgary. Calgary won game one. Tampa Bay won game two. Calgary won game three. Tampa Bay won game four. Calgary won game five in overtime. Uh, at now Amelie Arena, Oleg Saprikin scored the overtime winner in Game 5. They gave Calgary a 3-2 lead. Of course, we know what happened after that. Marty St. Louis scores the double overtime winner in Game 6 to force a Game 7, and Tampa Bay comes back home. So they never led that series. So this is only this will only be tomorrow night. This will only be the second time in Lightning franchise history that they have an opportunity for a clinching game in the Stanley Cup final. Remember, they were up 2-1 against Chicago lost the final three games of that series, so they lost that series in six, and now they come back tomorrow. And this is, first of all, let's just say it, it's, an, it's an advantage for Tampa Bay to come back the next night against a Dallas team that was visibly frustrated and angry, and we'll get into the reason why here in a minute. Uh, but they were visibly, emotionally frustrated. You also have uh, some of your top players are... You know, a little bit older, Corey Perry, Joel Pavelski, Jamie Benn, coming back on back-to-back nights. Goaltending, Anton Hudobin, who was a more of a, of a 1A in Dallas this year, but he never had a string of a lot of games. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I feel confident about this without even looking up the stat. I bet he didn't start on back-to-back nights all season. Uh, so that, to me, gives Tampa Bay a pretty big advantage heading into Saturday's game five, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's still another game to win. Good news is the Lightning have three chances to get it done with the first one coming on Saturday in a game five. So, all right, so let's just start with the officiating and the controversy or supposed controversy. This is what drives people nuts about officiating in the playoffs because Back and forth the game went, of course. Tampa Bay falls down 2 nothing. Braden Point scores in the final minute of the first period to get Tampa Bay back in it. They score a power play goal. Braden Point again batting a puck out of the air to make it a 2-2 game. Dallas goes ahead 3-2. Yanni Gore power play goal makes it 3-3. Alex Kaloran gives Tampa Bay a lead 4-3. Dallas comes back and ties it. It's 4-4. So now here's where some of the controversy starts to come into play a little bit because, you know, it's the old adage in hockey. And again, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, in fact, that, uh, you know, the referees say, oh, we don't want to decide the game, so we're going to put the whistles away. And that means you can get away with anything, right? So that that brings us to... The penalties at the end of regulation, with 29 seconds to go in regulation, Corey Perry uses his stick. <laughs> I, I I like this line. This is this is I'm going to steal this from Jay Retcher. He he uses his twig to get to Braden Point's berries, and it's a penalty all day long, right? It's a penalty. They call Braden Point for embellishment, and that's a referee saying, I'm not going to decide this game. I'm not going to decide this game. So I'm not going to make that call. I'm going to take them both. It's, it's, they don't have the courage to do it. And 
It's because of the old adage, uh, we're referees, we don't want to decide the game. But yet, yet you look at it, you know, they gave Dallas a power play in the third period on a Pat Maroon call, which is going to look awful familiar to something else we'll talk about here in a few minutes. So they gave so if you want to if you want to put the whistles away, put the whistles away. If you're gonna call the game like it should be called, call the game like it should be called. And, and I think that's why, you know, Braden Point was noticeably upset. You don't see him normally get that kind of emotions in those situations that he was called for embellishment there. But it's because the, the referee didn't have the courage to make the call. So then we get to overtime and 15 seconds into overtime, officially at 37 seconds, but it was about 15 seconds or so, give or take, into overtime where Mikhail Sergachev takes a holding call on Tyler Sagan. And guess what? That's probably a penalty. But based on what happened at the end of the third period, when you call Braden Point for embellishment, then that's a non-call, right? That should be a non-call. They made the call. Dallas got a power play. They actually had a pretty extended four-on-three power play opportunity. I think a lot of teams will tell you that they would prefer, you know, you'll take a four-on-three power play over a five-on-four power play any day of the week because there's a little bit more open ice. opens up some more seams and some opportunities to get pucks through. So Dallas has a four-on-three power play. The Lightning killed it off. I think Tyler Sagan had one good look, just missed the top corner on the near post from the left circle. But the Lightning kill it off. So here's what you, and this is so predictable, and it's sad that we have to say this, but it's so predictable that you can sit here and say, well, Dallas is getting a penalty. There's no way Dallas was not going to get called for the next penalty because the refs knew they blew it on the Braden Point call, and then they gave Dallas a power play in the opening minute of the overtime. So it's 100% predictable Dallas is getting a call. And then, then I, like, I don't even know why this is controversial, but apparently it's controversial. Jamie Benn gets position on Tyler Johnson. And, the, and it's, it's two guys battling for position. The puck's nearby. And Ben gets his free hand on the shoulder of Ty, uh, Tyler Johnson and essentially pulls him down. And I didn't notice this until a bit later. And, and Mike Johnson is the one who, who pointed this out in, in watching the NHL Network postgame, where Ben kind of gets his knee up around the hamstring of Tyler Johnson, and basically it's not a slew foot, and he takes him out. So here, so like here's the problem people have with it too, because it was called tripping. Like it was called tripping, and then you hear Eddie Olchek on the postgame show say that he heard Kelly Sutherland, who made the call, I believe it was Kelly Sutherland, made the call and told Jamie Ben that he slew footed him which he didn't do, but that's how he viewed it. So he called it tripping. Call it what you want. It's a penalty. It's a penalty all day long. And, you know, Dallas cannot complain about officiating because they got away with one at the end of regulation and they were given one at the start of overtime. So the fact that it ends up being a power play goal, that's the difference. Yeah, they're angry about it. They're upset about it, but Dallas cannot be upset about it. You know, I think it was, it was a, Pavelski, who said that basically Jamie Ben breathed on Tyler Johnson. I want to go back and look at it, and you know this is this is not the big bad wolf huffing and puffing and blowing the house down. 
He did not breathe on him. He actually took him down. And it is the same exact call that they made on Pat Maroon with Tampa Bay up 4-3 in the third period, where Maroon, in the offensive zone, had the same type of position, and he got his free hand, and he used it to pull back or gain position, by. so they call it holding. It's the same call that Ben got called for. So if you're looking for the consistency level, well, that at least was a consistent situation. I don't call this controversial at all. I think it's only because we see that Tampa Bay scored a power play goal to win the game. All of a sudden, then it becomes controversial, and it's it's a you know it's what leads to the goal. But Dallas still has to call it off, kill it off, and, and let's not forget too. This this was the third power play goal of the game for Tampa Bay. Remember how much we talked about how poor the power play was coming into this series, how poor it was against the Islanders, how. They had two four-minute power plays at the end of regulation that carried into overtime in games five and six against the Islanders. And they even had a late power play goal or power play opportunity against the Islanders in game six. And they went 0 for 5 in those situations. They got six power play goals in the last three games in this series. Obviously, it's a big difference tonight because they go 3 for 4. Dallas goes 0 for 3. And because the winner comes on a power play goal... There, there's going to be a lot of focus on that, and for, for the right reasons. But to call it controversial, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. The, the call on Braden Point at the end of regulation was 121 times more controversial than the Jamie Ben call. It's a penalty. It's a penalty all day long. And and this is always the great debate. You you've if you've listened to me before, if you've heard me before, look, if it's a penalty in November, it's a penalty in the playoffs. That's the way the game should be called. Why does the game and the way the game is officiated have to change because it's the playoffs? You know, basically, again, I think it was Joe Pavelski who said it that we expect it to be five on five. The game should be decided five on five, which is essentially saying that's eh, open season. Do whatever you want, because then the referees only have to call the obvious ones, like high-sticking calls or delay game calls, right? So it's it, to me, it's not controversial. It's not a controversial ending. Um, Tampa Bay earned this victory. They earned this win, and they have a 3-1 series lead heading into Game 5 on Saturday. Again, that's another. it's going to be another 8 p.m. start, probably closer to 8.20, or so with the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup, the second in franchise history. So where do we want to go next? Uh, I know there's some questions in the power play, so I'll save those. Uh, What can we say about Braden Point that hasn't been said already? He's just an amazing, amazing story from a guy who was drafted in the third round, passed over by every team in the league twice because people looked at his size and said, ah, don't think he can play in the NHL. And then compared that with his skating, which was slightly, slightly above average in junior, maybe even average at junior. And then you watch the kid play now. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. His goal at the end of the first period, and this was really 
again, Mike Johnson to me is one of the best analysts in the NHL. And why he doesn't have more work, I don't know. I've, I've had him as a guest on my show a couple times. He's fantastic. I covered him during his, his brief time here in Tampa Bay. But um, he pointed this out, and it was a great back view of that goal uh, where Braden Point starts basically from his goal line, and he starts to generate the speed. And then this is where the player tracking comes into it. And I'd, I wish they would, would emphasize this a little bit more rather than just putting a little tag and saying this is what it was going. They clocked Braden Point at about 24 miles per hour because he had enough time starting at his own goal line to generate the kind of speed. And he is just that fast. He's just that type of a player. And he can do that to you. And I, and I think the uh, the great line from Mike Johnson was, if you're even, he's leaving. It's a great line. I'm sure. I'm sure Johnny picked that up somewhere along the line. But uh, basically, he had so much speed that the the player that was supposed to track him, and if I remember correctly, I believe it was Jason Dickinson. No, I think it was Cogliano. Uh, either way, the player that's supposed to pace him lost him because he wasn't able to match the speed. And by the time Braden Point hit the red line, it was it was it was done. Now it, it's a it's a perfect passing play. It starts with Kevin Shattenkirk in his own end with a good hard pass up to the red line to find Andre Palat, who's able to hit Braden Point and stride him. It's a great, it's a phenomenal pass by Andre Palat to hit him in stride right on the tape of the stick. And then Braden, Braden Point does the, the rest there as he races in basically alone, does a couple of quick deets, uh, quick deeks and puts it on the backhand and easily puts it inside Anton Hudobin. Uh, and that's a huge goal that comes with 32.6 seconds left on the clock, 33 seconds officially on the clock. And it was the first period where Tampa Bay had the better of the play for the most part. Uh, they had the better chances. They had the more shot attempts, but they found themselves down two nothing on Joe Pavelski's goal with a minute thirty two left in the first period. And the first goal, John Klingberg, it's a block shot goes right back to him. Andre Vasilevsky can't get back into his position in time. That gives him a one nothing lead. And then Victor Hedman kind of pinched down just a little too low on the Pavelski goal that allowed uh, Alexander Radulov to find Jamie Ben up ice to create the two on one situation. Uh, so it, it's a two nothing game. And then to answer that 59 seconds after Tampa Bay falls behind, it's such a huge momentum shift. You know, you hear it all the time goals scored late in the period, how momentum shifts they are, especially in this one, because not only do does Tampa Bay cut it two to one, they answer the Dallas goal less than a minute later, and it comes in the final minute of the period. I mean, those are tough goals to give up. There's a big difference going into a period up two goals and being up one goal. And Tampa Bay was able to uh, take advantage of that. Um, but Braden Point, again, just the speed that he has, his ability to push defenders back, his ability to make plays 
at a high rate of speed, like it's not easy. Like it looks easy because these players make it look easy. But to execute these type of plays at the speed in which they do it, and, and you know, as I'm recording this, I'm watching the pass from Andre Pilat again. It's just a perfect pass. Like he hesitates and waits just enough. And remember, Braden Point's going 24 miles an hour up the ice. So he has to he has to wait for that seam to get there and then puts it in the only spot that he's gonna get it. Like if it's not if it's off just by a an inch or two here or there, there's a good chance Braden Point can't corral the puck. And not only does he corral it, it settles down on a stick immediately. And then he does the rest. He's just a phenomenal player. He's really turned into, you know, you, you think about when he was drafted and the route he's taken and, and the, the improvements that we saw from year after year after he was drafted. It's just, it's incredible to kind of see where he's at and, and then realize this is only his fourth year in the NHL. I know it's a young player's league uh, and he is still a young player, but he's just been fantastic in these playoffs. His 13 goals, by the way, tie Tyler Johnson for the most in a playoff season. Tyler Johnson did it, of course, in 2015 when he had 13. Braden Point now has 13. Uh, not talking much about Nikita Kucherov uh, from this one, but he had two assists. Uh, so. Uh, Nikita Kucherov now with 25 assists in these playoffs. That sets an NHL record for most assists by a primary winger in a playoff season. The old record was held by Mark Recchi with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1992. Mark Recchi, of course, spent a little bit of time here uh, with Tampa Bay uh, back in the uh, 2008-ish time frame. Um, but Mark Recchi held that record, and now Nikita Kucherov uh, has broken, not just tied it, he, he has broken that record. And, you know, if they could give out a co-Con Smythe, maybe, maybe you could consider both of those guys at the top of it because they are just the eighth set of teammates in NHL history, playoff history, to each hit the 30-point mark in the same playoff season, and the first to do it since 2009. Uh, so Malkin and Crosby were the last to do it with Pittsburgh in 09. Brian Leach and Mark Messier did it in 94. Uh, Mario Lemieux, Mark Recchi, and Kevin Stevens did it for Pittsburgh in 91. Uh, for Edmonton in 1990, it was Craig Simpson and Mark Messier. Edmonton in 88, it was Gretzky, Messier, and Yari Curry. Uh, Edmonton again in 85, Gretzky, Coffey, and Yari Curry. And then Boston 1983 was Rick Middleton and Barry Peterson. Now, keep in mind that they used to have best of five series uh, back before the second wave of expansion. You didn't have three rounds of playoffs. Um, so that kind of, you know, gets kind of puts that in context. But again, it's only the, it's only the eighth set of teammates that have done it in NHL playoff history and the first to do it in 11 years. So that includes like Taze and Kane, right? Like they won three cups. So that's quite the accomplishment for those three players uh, in this playoff season. Uh, and they're obviously a big part of why Tampa Bay is where they are right now, uh, one game away from winning a Stanley Cup. 
Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, let, let, let's go with this. So uh, throughout this playoffs, I've had plenty of people ask me about when maybe a player has a rough night, maybe when a player has a rough couple of nights. You know, why doesn't John Cooper sit him? Why doesn't John Cooper take away the ice time? And we've had this conversation a couple of times. But the reason you don't is because of what Kevin Shattenkirk did tonight. It's because of what Blake Coleman did in game four against the Islanders. I think it was game four. There's, there's the, all these games are kind of getting lost on me. Either way, it was the game where the Islanders went ahead one nothing. It's game four, one nothing, and then 15 seconds later, Blake Coleman, because it was a mistake by Blake Coleman that allowed that first Islanders goal to happen. So John Cooper puts him back on the ice. He goes and scores the tying goal 15 seconds later. Now, you don't expect that to happen if you're a head coach. But as I've told you throughout this process, just look at the track record of John Cooper. He trusts his players. He trusts his players to come through, even if they're having a rough night, even if they're having a rough series. And you do that because when a player, like, this is not 1970s, this isn't 1980s. If a guy makes a mistake, you plant him on the bench the rest of the game. It's a different age of athlete. It's a different age of thinking from coaches, too. This is not, um, you know, the, the old school manner of thinking. This is not Mike Keenan hockey, right? Players, players and, and coaches have a much different relationship than they used to. And John Cooper is one of these new style type of coaches, if you will, new school type of coaches where he trusts his players. So did Kevin Shattenkirk have a bad defensive play on the Matthias Janmark goal? He did. That's not tonight. That was earlier in the series. He did. And he admitted it. He owned up to it. He knew. He knew that he had to, um, you know, he knew he had better in him. And could he have tied up Tyler Sagan maybe a little bit better on Dallas's tying goal tonight? I, I know Sagan didn't score the goal, um, you know, but he, he doesn't have Sagan quite tied up well enough. And then the puck hits him on the knee and ends up going in the back of the net. But this is why you don't you don't make you don't make players feel bad about making mistakes. You want them to feel good to go out and make make I don't want to say make up for it, but go out and you know spin it. Go out and help your team because these are players that can help your team. You know Tyler Johnson can help your team. Well, I I, I thought he was going to get one tonight. I felt he was going to get one tonight. Um, he didn't. He ended up not doing it, but. Uh, you know, you could feel it coming because a lot of people want to say he should have been benched. You should sit him out. It's just not going to happen. You know, it has to be egregious and it has to be repetitive, right? They they have to be, it's one thing to say you're not putting up points. It's one thing to say that, you know, because there are other ways you can help your team win a game. And that's what, that's what this coaching staff believes in. So that's why, you know, he puts trust in a Kevin Shattenkirk. That's why he puts trust in a Tyler Johnson. You know, people want to say sit Pat Maroon because Pat Maroon took a third period penalty tonight. Well, guess who was putting up the screen and guess who got an assist on the game winning goal? It's Pat Maroon. 
So, like, you can't, you can't overreact to mistakes. Mistakes happen. Hockey, in particular, is a game that is filled with mistakes. Up and down the ice, there's mistakes all over the ice. So what you don't want to do is have players think too much about the negative. You want to find some way for them to have a positive frame of mind. So you put them back out on the ice, and you let them go out and, and see if they can flip the switch. So uh, that's, I'm sure this conversation will come up again, uh, but that's kind of the, the feeling, the thought process when it comes to what a player should, uh, you know, if they make a mistake and they should come out of the lineup or they should lose ice time. Yeah, there's times. Look, we saw John Cooper do it this year. Kita Kucherov was benched for the third period in overtime of a game they beat Ottawa at in, uh, in December. Right, he benched him. Poor decision, poor puck management, all the stuff that the Lightning have been trying to preach this year, and he, he did. He benched him, and that and I'm and I just having been around John Cooper as long as I have, uh, understanding his thought process and how he goes about dealing with his players, I never expected that. But he did it, and I think it sent a message loud and clear, and not just in Nikita Kucherov, but the rest of the team as well. So that's that's the thought process there when it comes to how the coaching staff thinks about things. And that's why you do it. It's a different time. It's a different age uh, of NHL. And again, I'll go back to it. Hockey is a game of mistakes. And typically the teams that do, that commit the fewer mistakes, usually have a better chance to win the game. But you're not going to beat your players over the head because they make a mistake. So, all right, that's what I have to say about that. All right, before we get to your questions, a couple of things I want to get to. First of all, we do have a trivia contest winner. Again, this is for a free party like it's 2004 t-shirt courtesy of Smack Apparel. And again, this is a blind draw. There's a generated from a random name picker that I have on the web. I uh, found it through Google. Uh, and the winner is Alec. Alec's handle on Twitter is A-T-O-Z-E-C-40. So, Alec, you are the winner of the Smack Apparel t-shirt. Uh, I will be in touch with you um, at sometime soon to get the shirt size selection you need as well as a mailing address so we can get it out to you. So congratulations to Alec. You are our winner, our third winner here of a free Smack Apparel party like it's 2004 t-shirt. So Alec, I will be in touch with you via Twitter here in the very near future to get that information for you. Uh, we want to give away another one too. Uh, we have, of course, there'll be another quick turnaround. We'll have another podcast after tomorrow's game, but we do have another t-shirt we want to give away. And here is the trivia question that I would like for you to answer. Again, get your answers to me. Best way to do it is on Twitter via direct message. My DMs are open. It's at Eric underscore Erlinson, E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. That is the best way to do it. You can almost also email me, as some people have done, eric at lightninginsider.com. That's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. And this is the answer that I want to get from you. In the 2004 Stanley Cup series, 
against the Calgary Flames. Of course, we know Tampa Bay won the series in seven games, winning game seven, home ice. Ruslan Fedotenko with both goals, forever a hero in Tampa Bay. The Lightning only scored 13 goals in that series against Calgary. And there were actually only five players who scored goals in that series. Give me the five players who scored goals. So only five players on the Lightning roster scored at least one goal of the 13 that they scored in the Stanley Cup Final Series against Calgary. Name me the five different goal scorers from that series. I already gave you one. So you already know Ruslan Fedotenko had both goals in Game 7. So I, I gave you a head start with one of them. Give me the other four. So there's a total of five. Give me the five different goal scorers. Send your answers to me at uh, my Twitter address. Send me a direct message. And uh, that's the best way to get it to me. Or you can email me. So again, my Twitter handle, at Eric underscore Erlinson. Or my email address, Eric at LightEatInsider.com. All right, lots of questions. So let's get to them. This is going to be another long uh, podcast here, but uh, we will get to all these questions. I want to start with one. There's a great question uh, from Joyce. Joyce was our first winner of a T-shirt, uh, the first trivia contest we had. Uh, so she's looking to party like it's 2004 for sure. But she has a great question. Who decides the Con Smythe winner? There's a few options on this team. Hedman, Kucherov, Point, Vasilevsky, and who's your pick at this point? Uh, first of all, the Con Smythe is chosen by a committee of voters selected by the NHL. Uh, in 2004, I was part of that voting process. You are given a ballot and you are asked to submit your top, I believe it's three players, your top three players, uh, and then they give votes. I did vote in 2015 uh, as well. Uh, so they do select. Uh, typically, the selection process involves uh, some writers uh, that cover uh, the Eastern Conference team and some writers that cover it from the Western Conference team, and then they incorporate some national media. So the uh, you know the Pierre LeBruns, the Stephen Winos who works for Associated Press, or you know whoever the me- national media is that's covering the series as well. So there is a group of voters that do have uh, votes in this, and then they tally up the votes. Uh, and then they have a winner. Now, here's the thing, and, and just kind of keep this in mind too. They, they, if there's a, if there's a deciding game, as there will be on Saturday, then they usually start to take that vote with about ten minutes to go in the third period, so that they can tabulate it all. So sometimes those last things, those last ten minutes, don't add up in the voting. However, keep this in mind too: the Conn Smythe is a playoff MVP. It's not a Stanley Cup Final MVP. So it's for the entire playoffs. It's not just one series. So remember, Brad Richards won it in 2004. He had seven game-winning goals out of the 16 games that Tampa Bay won that playoff year. So that's the voting process. Uh, Who is my pick at this point? Boy, Joyce, you gave all four candidates, and you know what? You can make a strong case for any of the four. I, I think that you're going to have to lean towards Victor Hedman. It, you know, he's done 
something only two other defensemen have done in NHL playoff history, and that scored 10 or more goals in a playoff season. He's got 10. Uh, Brian Leach had 11. And Paul Coffey at 12. So those are the only players that have scored more goals as a defenseman in the po- in NHL postseason history. Um, that would be where I would lean. So if I had a vote and I have not been asked to vote, I don't know if I will be asked to vote. I'm not a member of the PHWA, which is the Professional Hockey Writers Association. I did have to drop from the PHWA this year because of the radio work that I was doing for the team. Uh, so I did have to drop out of that. So I don't know that I'll even be asked, but if I if I had a vote, that's probably where I would lean. Uh, from Gator Dave, uh, is there any chance Stamkos didn't go back on the ice? This was game three uh, because Tampa Bay didn't need him, or is he definitely hurt again? I think he's definitely hurt again. I think we saw that tonight because he did not play, uh, although John Cooper did mention they haven't ruled him out of the series. I, I doubt we see him in game five, but I'm not going to rule it out. Not going to rule it out. Uh, good question here from Andres. Uh, do you think they play Joseph one game to get his name on the cup? I know he had some good games in the beginning of the season before being sent down, but don't think it was enough. Uh, I'll say two things about this. Number one, you don't put a player in the lineup for sentimental reasons. You put him in the lineup because he thinks he you, he gives you the best chance to win a game. Right? Like you you can't you can't get caught thinking like that. It's a dangerous thought process. If you think things are comfortable, then that's when things can go the other way. So you don't want to put a player in for that sentimental reason. I understand what you're saying there, but you don't do it. The other thing is, is that you can lobby the NHL because the criteria is typically 41 games or one game in the Stanley Cup final. You can petition the league to get more added on. The Lightning didn't, didn't use a ton of players this year. I would not be at all surprised if they make a request that every player that was with them in the bubble gets their name on the cup. And yes, that would include Alex Volkov, who only played a, a handful of games with Tampa Bay this year. You know, they didn't make any trades where they sent players out. So, you, you know, I, I don't have the number in front of me or I'd, I'd look it up. But, you know, they probably, they probably used 26 players this year, 27. And that counts Cameron Gaunt's. You know, so he's not going to be involved in this. But I wouldn't be surprised because of these unusual circumstances for what those black aces had to do. Wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay lobbies and wins it to get their names on the cup. But we'll see. If, 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 if it comes to that point, we are still in the if category. So uh, from Chris. I don't think we appreciate Kalorn enough for how important he was early in the year. Seemed every game he had a big goal. Glad he got that one. No question. Just respect for Kalorn. Uh, and beyond the goals, Chris, look at the way Alex Kalorn kills penalties. I thought he was a beast again tonight on the penalty kill. I thought he was fantastic once again. He's taken on a different type of a role this year where he is, um, you know, he was asked to do more. He was asked to take on more leadership roles. So he did, and uh, so he he had the breakthrough offensively for sure. Playing with a number one power play unit certainly probably helps that a little bit, but um, he does more than just score goals for this team. That uh, His penalty kill work in particular, and his board work, his board work along the boards has been great, I think, throughout most of these playoffs, and that's a big, big area where Tampa Bay has improved is their wall battles. Uh, interesting here from uh, 
Mike, we set up back-to-back. Uh, I feel bad for Shattenkirk, followed quickly by so happy for, for Shattenkirk. The referees were quite, let's say, not NHL caliber tonight. Yeah, we talked about that. Uh, Mike adds, who reviews the referees? These two guys need to be gone. I can tell you, and I've been asked this before, the officials are reviewed after every game. Uh, they do go over video with a supervisor. There's a supervisor, especially here in the Stanley Cup final, who goes or goes over it. Uh, they have, I believe they still have five officials in the bubble. Uh, so they're down to the final five. Uh, I can promise you this. You won't see either Kelly Sutherland or Francis Sharon for Saturday's game. Um, you'll see a different combination uh, for them. So uh, don't expect to see the same two back in it. Uh, from Lightning FCB, whose tag is whatever. I love it. Uh, I have several questions after today's game, but I'm going to try and keep it short so I don't overwhelm you with them. Uh, the power play in this series has been outstanding. Outstanding. It's capitalized. Tampa Bay brought their five-on-five to the power play, and they have been shredding it. They have. They've. They've. <laughs> I'm going to use this phrase, even though I hate it. They've unlocked Anton Hudobin. And I think that they've unlocked an area on Anton Hudobin. Because look at the, the, the three goals that stand out to me. Uh, Steven Stamkos' goal in Game 3, where he was in the right circle and he went far post on Hudobin. Alex Kalorn's goal tonight, where he was in the circle and went far post on Anton Hudobin. And Kevin Shattenkirk's power play goal from the right circle, far post on Anton Hudobin. I'm not saying they found something, but uh, I think they found something. I saw it pointed out uh, on one of the post game shows too that you know maybe they've they they're trying to go blocker side a lot. Um, so maybe they found that area because there's a lot of goals that are going. Even Yanni Gord's power play goal, which was a, a fortunate break, but guess where he put the puck? Blocker side. The goal that Yanni, the opportunity that Yanni Gord missed. Remember the the chance he had. Uh, I think it was in Game Three where he was wide open on the slot off a pass from Barclay Goodrow, and a lot of people said he should have deked or passed it back to Goodrow. But look, where that shot go? Blocker side high. Not saying they found something, but I'm saying they might have found something. Um, ask that question, Ties from Travis. Thanks for chiming in, Travis. I believe you're a first-time question. Uh, if the Lightning can finish this off, if, 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 Tyler Johnson would have a Memorial Cup, World Junior Gold Medal, a Calder Cup, and a Stanley Cup, are there any American-born players who have done this? Uh, Travis, that is a fantastic question. Uh, I don't have the answer to it. It would take some research to find that out. I uh, would probably have to check in with uh, one of the uh, stats companies whether it's uh, Stats Inc. or Elias or even the NHL itself. Um, you know, you, you've heard a lot about the Triple Gold Club, which is a, a World Junior uh, Stanley Cup and Olympic gold medal. Uh, Freddie Modine is a member of that club. Uh, I, I don't, like, I don't know, but that's that's a great, like, I've said, you know, we've talked about Tyler Johnson for years. That's He's a winner. He's his the winning follows players around, and there's there's a reason why Tyler Johnson has won three of those four to date. The only one he hasn't won is the Stanley Cup because the guy's a winner. Uh, I wouldn't. I, it, it it's probably a stretch to see how many players, period, have won all four, let alone just an American-born player, right? Because a Memorial Cup, you only have at most you would have is three chances at a Memorial Cup. 
right? Calder Cup, you know, if you're if you're a good player, you know, Tyler Johnson only spent what two plus seasons in the AHL. So you start to see that window of potential players who have done all four shrink and you only get the opportunity to world junior. It's an under 20 tournament, you know, and it's usually dominated by 19 year olds, especially for the top teams. So again, you probably only have one or two opportunities to even win a gold medal at the world junior. So I I bet that's a very short list of not just American players, but players in general, certainly more Canadian because there was a, a run at the world juniors where Canada, I think won seven gold medals. Um, so they would have uh, more of a pool, quote unquote, to draw from. Uh, from Bob, seems every time we think a player is having a rough game, this team makes liars out of our comments. Uh, wasn't pretty, but was entertaining and one game to go up 3 1. What are the probabilities in Stanley Cup final? Um, this list, and let me see if I can find it here for you and talk my way through it because this was sent out. In NHL Stanley Cup playoff history, in the Stanley Cup final history, only one team has ever come back from down 3-1 in a series. And I'm going to try and find it here for you because I have the email open. Um, This is the 35th time that a team has had a 3-1 lead in the best-of-seven Stanley Cup final in the previous 34 instances, the team with the advantage has gone on to win the championship 33 times, so that's 97.1%. The only comeback came in 1942 when the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup after losing the first three games of the series. So that was actually the first team to ever come back from down 3-0 in a series. So history is on the lightning side, but again, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, from uh, whatever, uh, Lightning FCB again. Uh, do you think this improvement is more on the psychological side or a result of practice preparation or just luck? Also, I'm surprised Point wasn't a star for this game. In my opinion, he brought Tampa Bay back into the game with this gorgeous goal. Which were your stars today? Uh, well, you can find my stars on lightninginsider.com. I always have my three stars of the game there. So if you have a subscription, you can find it there. Um, to me, a lot of this team's improvement this year, and John Cooper has even said it, it's between the ears. It's a different mentality. It's a different mindset, right? And again, I go back to Julian Brisebois, embrace the suck and dance in the rain. Who cares what happens? Stay the course, right? Don't let things distract you or detract you from the goal and that's winning the Stanley cup. So I, I think it's come, uh, it, it, it definitely comes from, uh, between the ears, uh, from Mike, you said, uh, do you think point is challenging headman for the con Smythe? <clears throat> I do point is doing it in two less games because of injury. Uh, you can just say you could have, you could have a debate. You can make a point. You can make an argument. I don't think you'd be wrong. I think you can make a strong case for, the four plays we mentioned earlier, but a really strong case for Point, Hedman, or Kucherov. You really could. And this is going to be, I think Hedman's going to end up winning it because of the offensive numbers that he's putting up as a defenseman. And then you look at the, the play he made on Gurionov's uh, breakaway, um, you know, in game three to prevent the possibility takeaway scoring chance. Uh, that's just me. Um, but yeah, you could absolutely. I mean, I, I would give 
Victor Hedden a slight edge in that conversation right now. Uh, from Thomas Seifert, do you know where the scratch players are following the game inside the arena press box or somewhere else? Uh, I'm going to go with the fact that we haven't seen any shots of Lightning players from a suite as we've seen with, say, a, a Ben Bishop or we saw it earlier with Matthew Kachuk who missed some time for Calgary. Those players were in the suite. We haven't seen any cut shots, right, of Lightning players. We've, we saw some in Toronto when they were in the stands sitting. Uh, and I think you saw it tonight where Steven Stamkos was there to give Kevin Shattenkirk a hug as he walked down the tunnel. My guess is that most of the Lightning players are probably down in the locker room area somewhere. Uh, again, that's speculating based on information that we have. Uh, my thought is that they're actually down below. Um, another one from Mike. Uh, may have already sent this to you, but people forget how fast Point really is as he was only a couple of hundredths of second behind Connor McData a few years ago at the All-Star game. Yeah, he is. You saw it tonight, right? Well, it's great. The player tracking to be able to clock him at about 24 miles per hour is fantastic. He's one of the better skaters in the league. Uh, from Prezemic. Thanks for chiming in again, my friend. Uh, can you grab all the records in one set by Lightning players as playoffs and post it after the final? Tampa played much better tonight. I'm glad they won. Too bad officiating was not good. Ridiculous call on point and missed high stick that Stars used to score fourth goal. Didn't mention it earlier, but yeah, there was two high sticks that they missed in this game. One was it actually took away a scoring chance for Tampa Bay. Tyler Johnson took a high stick off a great feed from Pat Maroon. And then Barkley Goodrow took a high stick right before um, it was actually after Dallas power play had expired, but the, it was on Pavelski who ended up, you know, scoring the goal. So um, another one from Mike. Why do you think the television announcers are so pro Dallas when the lining of the more exciting and talented team and have greater depth? I just don't get it. I think it is quite obvious, even though I I'm a lightning fan. I will say that a lot of times, and I've answered this before, sometimes you hear negative and it stands out. You don't hear the positive. Um, I can see where you're coming from, though. Uh, it certainly seems like there has been a lot of more play towards Dallas. I'm not sure why, but it just feels that way at times. Uh, another one from Prezemic. Uh, will Braden Coburn get his name on the cup with 40 games played in the season? And same question for McElhaney if Tampa wins it, of course. Um, yes, I think on both, um, again, Coburn would have reached the 41, but remember they didn't play 82. So if you're going on half of, uh, what they plan to play in 70, 72 games, I think somewhere in that range off the top of my head, I think again, it's half the season. So I I think that's a no brainer. And then the same thing with a backup goaltender, you know, the, the criteria for, for that is different. Um, you know, he's not going to play half the games, but he was with the team and he did, he had the second most starts gold goaltender wise. So there's no doubt about that at all. Um, for Mike announcers always talk about how Dallas can come back from a deficit, but never talks about the lightning coming back. I don't understand that point of view that the, uh, NBC has, but they have it, uh, from VXT, VXLTYY, Volti. Uh, after tonight's performance, do you think Point overtakes Hedman for the Con Smythe? Uh, it's back and forth. It's back and forth. Uh, from David, how many goals will Tampa win by Saturday night? L LOL. Uh, I'm not going to go out on that limb. 
uh, from Lee, getting ahead of myself here, Eric. Will your podcast continue after the season ends this week? Off-season and free agency will be very interesting. Yeah, we will We will still do it in some capacity. Uh, I have to experiment with a few things, especially getting guests on the show because you guys have been great because it's just me talking to myself and, well, to you guys, but just talking here to myself after games and giving you game recaps, and it's been great. You guys have been so supportive. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, I do anticipate doing that because free agency and everything comes fast. It's unbelievably fast because – you know, the the Stanley Cup final ends no later than Wednesday. So even if it gets stretched out to seven games, knock on wood, even if it gets stretched out that far, the draft is October 6th and 7th. So it's it's about 10 days away. Like, we're coming up on the draft, and free agency starts October 9th. It actually starts in two weeks. So the offseason comes fast. The problem is we don't know when next season is. So we have an offseason, but we don't know when the next season is. But yeah, I do plan on doing more stuff. Uh, it, it, I don't think it won't be every other day. Um, you know, we'll have to come up with some sort of a schedule. The good news is, is that they won't be posted at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. You know, we'll have a little bit more of a schedule to be able to post it. But yeah, we do certainly plan on continuing this. Uh, from Mark, our friend over in Barcelona. Uh, I don't know if my body is ready for tomorrow, but I'll sure to be watching and listening to you. Thank you, Mark. Uh, two questions: Did you feel Vasilevsky had two? Did you feel Vazzy had two performances tonight, pre and post? Kamano save also a potential cup-winning game is a must-play for Stamkos. Um, yeah, look, like I said, I don't blame Andre Vasilevsky on the Klingberg goal because he has to set himself for the first shot. And it gets blocked. It comes right back to a stick. And he's not able to reset himself. Like you can see, he's just about ready to get in a set position. And the puck goes right under his, his glove hand. Closer to the arm. But that's where it went. Where if he's in a set position, it probably doesn't get through him. Uh, the second one was a Pavelski two-on-one. Uh, the third one... Um, you know, the third goal, the, the Perry goal that put Dallas back ahead 3-2... Like, he's got to play the puck. You have to play the puck carrier there. And is he a little off his post? Does it look like he's swimming? He does, but he's tracking the puck. And there's two other things on that play. Number one, it's a fortunate bounce for Tyler Sagan, who he actually put the puck off the post and off of Vasilevsky's pad to Corey Perry, who barely even pushed it into the net. And the second part about that is, is that where's Carter Verhage? Mikhail Sergachev is already engaged with Tyler Sagan. And yeah, he does kind of get past him a little bit, but Vasilevsky is there as well. You can't fly by the crease. It's the same thing when you're an offensive player. It's the same thing when you're a defensive player. You can't abandon the blue paint. You have to understand where the danger is at that point. The danger is not Tyler Sagan. He's already below the goal line. The danger is what's coming behind you. He never looked behind him. So if he stays there, if he stops and protects the paint, he clears that puck and we're not even talking about it. Uh, but yeah, the, the save he made in Kamano was fantastic. Um, as far as the Stamkos question, I wouldn't say it's, it's a must play, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does play. But on top of that, based on how we saw him leave game three, I, I don't know if he can play. 
I know John Cooper said that he today that you know they haven't ruled him out for the rest of the series, but it's it's a you know it's thirty six hours later by the time the puck drops from when John Cooper said that Friday morning. I'm I'm with you. I I, I like that thought process. I think if there's a potential clinching game, yes. But as I mentioned earlier with Matthew Joseph, you have to put the best players you feel can help you win the game. And if Steven Stamkos can't make it through another game, especially in the second half of a back-to-back, I don't know if he can play. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, from Paul, this question is less about the game in particular, but more of a general question about the area. Do you feel that the Tampa Bay area is more of a hockey town in tune with the Lightning now than 2004? And if so, why? Uh, there's no doubt about it, Paul. Like it, there's, it's not even close. And, uh, and here's my reasoning for it. Number one, in 2004, when the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, they were only in their 12th year of existence. They'd only made the playoffs two previous times. The first came in 96, when they lost in six games to the Philadelphia Flyers. They were the eight seed. Philadelphia was the one seed. This was back when they played at the Thunderdome, now Tropicana Field. And the only other time came in 2002-2003, which is the only time they had won a series previous. And I've, I said this when it happened. When Marty St. Louis scored the triple overtime game winner against Washington in that first round in 2003, because that was an afternoon game, and word starts to get out about this great overtime game. It's going second. It's going to a third overtime. People paid attention. So you flash forward to the next year, and they're, they're – a run to the cup, which was, it, it was new to this area. It, it, not necessary to some of the fans here, but definitely new to the area to go through a playoff run like that. It's two months. Playoffs start in April, cups awarded in June. So it's an extra two months of hockey. A generation of hockey fans were born in 2004. So now let's flash forward to what potentially could happen this year. It's 12 years. My math is bad. It's 16 years since they last won a Stanley Cup. And they have an opportunity to do it here again tonight. The run of success this team has had, starting with 2015, with the Stanley Cup trip against Chicago, and then the Conference Finals in 16, and then the Conference Finals in 18, the record-setting season they had last year, all you got to do to see if this is a hockey town how pissed off were people last year when they were swept by Columbus? I mean, there was true raw anger. <laughs> that's passion to me. Sometimes a little misguided, but that's pure passion. It's elation and passion when your team wins. It's rage and passion when your team loses, especially when that happened last year. So, yes, I think this is a hundred times more of a hockey town, 16 years since they last won the cup. Uh, another one from Mike Sergachev, McDonough, and Sergey uh, Chernak had solid defensive games. Ruda had a tough game. Hedman, I thought, had his worst game defensively. So glad for Shattenkirk. See next tweet. Uh, I had criticized Shattenkirk before for his defensive play on the ice, but after listening to your podcast, I have come to appreciate what Shattenkirk brings to the team, and it showed on the winning goal. Thanks for educating us in addition to the recaps. Uh, I'm just here to try and inform, right? And I and I and I thank you for that. I thank you for listening and just allowing me to kind of give my 
perspective and my thought process on it. Um, you know, it, you can't play at the top of your game every night. I mean, think about how solid Victor Hedman has been all through the playoffs. He had an off night. It happens. It's going to happen. Nobody's at their best every single night. The ones who do are just special. Um, this one's from Bryant, who subtweets uh, EJ Raddick from NHL Network, and I know EJ well. Uh, there were some dicey calls tonight and a lot of diving, particularly by one side, which makes the ref's jobs even tougher. But here's the bottom line. The Stars' penalty kill wasn't very good tonight, and it hasn't been very good throughout the series. A lot of diving. Uh, I guess that's what you're asking me here, Bryant. Um, I know it was referenced that Tyler Johnson tried to sell the call. I don't know that he did. Um, you know, are they trying to say that Tyler Johnson tried to sell the high stick on the scoring chance that was taken away? That Barkley Goodtro was trying to sell it. That Braden Point was trying to sell. I I don't I don't know. I I didn't see too many sell jobs tonight. I, uh, attempted sell jobs. So I I, I mean everybody kind of sees the game a little bit differently, but I I guess I can say I don't really agree with. Um, EJ uh, assessment there. Uh, from Imad, uh, why does Julian Breezeball and his, uh, the others in the suite with him have masks on in the suite? I thought everybody in the bubble was safe. That is true. They get tested every single day, and the results come back every single day, and there's been zero. But they're they're taking every precaution. So, like, you even see the trainers on the bench behind the players and the trainers when they're in the locker room, they're always wearing their masks. They're not going to slack off now. You know, the last thing you can have happen is something spreads, right? So that's why they have the masks. That's why those who are in the suites and everything still have their masks on because they're required to. Um, and if you've listened to some of the players' comments coming from the bubble, there's plenty of people around to remind you all the time to put your mask on uh, from Steven, what this team has gone through this past year. I don't see them losing game five thoughts. I don't, uh, it's very tough. I think for Dallas to try and come back 24 hours after and save their season, but strange things have happened before, but I, I, I agree with you on that assessment uh, from L G J R O 21. Uh, Ruda looked very shaky tonight. Why aren't we inserting Bogosian or even Shen back in the lineup? First of all, I think Luke Shen is hurt. Second of all, John Cooper had, had referenced this. He didn't outright say it, but he referenced it, that the speed of Dallas gave Bogosian trouble. So that's what it comes down to. Um, and again, I don't know if his decision to go after uh, Yoel Kivaranta for the hit he put on Braden Point in that first game, factored into the decision either. Um, you know, and look, Bogosian, if you look at Bogosian's minutes, the past number of games, you know, he was, when they were dressing seven, you know, he was playing 10, 12, 14, so he wasn't getting big minutes at that time. And if you're playing six defensemen, you have to, he has to have a regular rotation. You know, and he'd been playing with Hedman. So, like, if you've looked at it, they've changed the defensive pairings around with Ruda in the lineup. And even before that, because Sergachev's playing with Chernak now, which is something we didn't see a ton during the regular season. And uh, McDonough is now playing with Shattenkirk. So then you that's why, you know, if Bogosian's going to play, he plays with Hedman. 
And those are some big minutes that Victor Hedman plays. And I guess when you look at the ice time tonight, uh, Victor Hedman ended up playing 28 minutes, and Jan Ruda played 18. Um, Hedman 22 at even strength, and Ruda played 15 at even strength. And then you compare that to the rest. Kevin Shattenkirk played 19 even strength minutes. Ryan McDonough played 19 even strength minutes, so those two were paired together. Uh, Eric Chernak played 16 even strength minutes, and Mikhail Sergachev 18 even strength minutes. So, uh, you know, the, the right side is different than the left in terms of who plays, but that's the reason that, that Jan Rudo is, is playing over Bogosian is because basically uh, they they are worried about the speed of Dallas giving Bogosian some issues, and certainly Rudo is a little bit of a better skater. That's don't, I'm the messenger here. So I'm not saying that's the reason, but I'm telling you that's what John Cooper said is the reason. Uh, from Tony, why do you think our power play has been uh, recently been more successful? Also, Vasilevsky kept us in them with a huge rebound save. Don't agree with people slagging him off, even though he's been one of our best players. Uh, look, when a goalie has a bad night, it stands out, right? And I'm not even saying he had a bad night. You know, again, I, I told you I don't think I blame him on either of the first two goals. Uh, and even on the third goal, I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, that's again, he comes back and he makes that save on Kamano. And look at the save he made on Alex Radulov with about three minutes to go. It's a tie game. He makes a, a, another one of those left stretch leg plays to prevent a, a Radulov backhand rebound chance. Uh, as far as the power play, uh, you know, it just kind of comes in waves. I mean, like, like look at the Braden Point power play goal tonight. That's That's a broken play and one that they took advantage of. The he bats the puck out of the air. Like, that's not a set play, right? Um, of course, the Shattenkirk goal uh, was, a you know, off of a, of a face-off play um, that they got to. And then the Yanni Gord play, again, was a broken play. So, you know, power plays can just be streaky. Streaky good, streaky bad. And it was streaky bad coming in the series. It's streaky good now. And when you have the talent that the Lightning have, you're not going to keep it down. You're not going to keep it quiet for too long. And they've found a way to find some holes in Dallas. Uh, from Ryan, sure you're going to give a detailed breakdown on the officiating. I think we did. So I'll ask something different. Dallas will come out flying and laying big hits. Uh, the Lightning are a pretty fast-paced team. Do you see them trying to slow the game down or try to match how Dallas plays? You've heard John Cooper say this throughout the playoffs. They're not worried about how the other team is going to play. The only thing they're worried about is how they play. And go back to the the old uh, Green Bay Packers, right, before they merged with the AFL, all these NFC championships, the Green Bay sweep. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Try and stop us. So that's, that's kind of the same mentality. I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to compare the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Green Bay Packers of that era. but. They, they worry about how they're going to execute. So I don't think they're concerned about how Dallas is going to play. They're going to come out and try and continue to do what they found success with in these past three games that has them up 3-1 in this series. Uh, Stephanie, how do you feel Vasilevsky performed tonight? Seems shaky at times and then made huge saves at the same time. Do you think this was his worst game of the entire playoffs? I'll tell you one area where he did look shaky, and that was handling the puck. He had some moments where he was handling the puck, and then, of course, you know, there was the one shot, I believe, with some Kivaranta that kind of got through him a little bit, and he kind of kicked it back, and it just sat there. 
and sat there and sat there before Victor Hedman was able to come clear it out. That was one that if had that gone in, boy, we would really be all over him for sure. Um, but again, he's going to have nights like this, right? He's, you think about it, he's played every single minute of this postseason, of this return to play. And so was this his worst performance of the playoffs? Um, I mean, probably. I'm trying to think. There's not too many games. In fact, I think this is only the third game, not counting the round robin where he's allowed more than three goals. The game against the Islanders that they lost in overtime, or sorry, they lost at the end of regulation on the Ryan McDonough turnover. That was a 4-3 game. And then game five against Columbus, I think are the only two games that he's allowed more than three goals. Um, so was this his worst one? That's eh, debatable. Uh, based on how he looked handling the puck, for sure. Uh, from Evgeny, uh, how huge is that stretch pad save on Vasilevsky on Kamano while it was 3-2 Dallas? Yep, mentioned that. Would have been 4-2. I see a lot of Dallas fans complaining about the referees. Dallas is 0-3 on the power play and had 4-on-3 for one minute in overtime. Lightning went 3-4. for four. That's the difference to me for sure. Uh, that's what happens when you lose on a power play goal. You're going to complain about the officiating. If the Lightning had won or had lost, if Dallas had converted on their power play, guess what we'd be talking about? The poor officiating. So it kind of goes both ways. Uh, from Scott Stevens, not the Scott Stevens. Uh, if you had the cup for one day, what would you do with it? Oh, boy. it's a great question. What would I do with it? Uh, boy, I'd have to give that one some thought. Uh, certainly would never happen. Um, but if I did, uh, I would have family involved. Um, you know, we would have some sort of a gathering or a get-together. Um what that would entail, especially in the age of COVID, I don't know. I don't know how small or how big it would be. What I like are some of the, and you're not going to see this this year, I don't think, is, you know, I had a chance in 04 after they won the cup to cover a couple of days. You know, it was in Montreal for, I believe, a three-day stretch. And I was able to go up with uh, one of the photographers for our paper, Jason Benkin, and we spent three days covering the cup while I was up there. And, you know, Vinny LeCavalier had it. Uh, this was his second day that he had it. Uh, Marty St. Louis had it uh, for his second day. And Andre Waugh had it for one day. And with with Marty in particular, and because he was probably the MVP and all that, he actually had a day where he had like a party party. Uh, I believe he had that in Vermont where he went to school. And then he had another day with it in Montreal at his family's house. And we had the chance to travel around with him. He actually took it to his dad's post office. His dad was a retired postal service worker in Canada. So he was able to take it to the office that day. He took it to his hometown of Laval. And they had a celebration at City Hall. Uh, Both him and Eric Perrin were involved in that because Eric Perrin was also from Laval, Quebec. and. Um, so they had that celebration and then he took it back to his parents' house and then he had the, uh, the Stanley cup, the Hart trophy, the Lester Pearson, which is now the Ted Lindsay award. Uh, he had his, um, uh, Art Ross trophy, which was for the scoring title. He had that all on display and he would take pictures with family members. 
So he had two days with it. I thought that was really cool. Andre Waz was the craziest day because we we met Andre at his house where he had a little party going. Then he had he was taking it to his hometown, which is St. Jerome. He was taking it to I forget where in his hometown he took it to, but I remember he was taking a helicopter ride. He took a helicopter from nearby his house to near downtown St. Jerome. His pilot for the day, his pilot on the helicopter that day was Guy Lafleur. So he takes him there. And then there's this big crowd around City Hall or wherever it was they took him. And he proposed, he actually proposed to his girlfriend uh, on the helicopter flight. So they get off the plane. He's engaged. And they have the celebration. And then they take the the cup up to Mount Tremblay, which is, well, they took it to a, a spa first. Um, and then they took it to this resort up in Mount Tremblay. We were not able to go with them to Mount Tremblay because it was already late in the day. And Mount Tremblay was about a two and a half hour drive from Montreal. So we had to get back, file a story and all that stuff. Uh, but those are the kind of celebrations I like. You know, what would I do anything crazy like that? I would have to leave the planning on that to my wife. Shh, don't tell her I said that because uh, she's the planner. I execute the plan. She puts the plan together. So I would have probably have to sort of defer to what she would have thought process that she would have. So she's a better planner than I am. Uh, last one from Mike. Uh, Dallas complains about Ben's penalty, but don't comment on Perry's penalty on point and Pavelski's high stick to start Dallas's power play. That was the one to Goudreau. Yeah, again. Uh, from Kenny, Eddie Olchek, question mark. That's it. That's the question. Ah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Everything is anti or feels like it's anti. Well, this is Dallas's, how come Dallas is doing this poorly? It's not how Tampa Bay is doing it properly. You know, even the game the other night, the Lightning were up 4-1, and he was asking about if Andre Vasilevsky was shaky. It's weird, right? Like, you expect better from a national analyst to to be more down the road, down the middle, and it does seem like he's leaning green a little bit. Very odd, I know. Very odd. All right, that's going to wrap this up. Boy, this has been another long one. This is probably longer than our last one, and it is by about four or five minutes at this point. Um, We'll have another one after game five, win or lose. Uh, Don't forget the trivia question about the five different goal scorers from the 2004 series. That's the entire series against the Calgary Flames. Give me the five goal scorers from that series, not just Ruslan Fedotenko. Sorry, I gave you one. I need the other four of that. You can send them through my DMs. You can send it to my email, eric at lightninginsider.com as well. Uh, So send them my way uh, if you want a free T-shirt. Uh, don't forget that uh, there is a coupon code for my website. Use podcast to give you $10 off the first year. And don't forget the code, too, for Smack Apparel. If you can, support them. They support us here. Uh, if you use the code 2020BOGO, you'll get buy one, get one free from Smack Apparel Sports. So go to smackapparel.com, S-M-A-C-K, apparel.com. Uh, and then you can use that coupon code for buy one, get one free on what they have in stock. So. Uh, and I have, I have another project that I hope to be able to share with you guys tomorrow night. You're going to love this one. I can't tell you what it is yet, uh, but if things go the right way, this is a special, special project. I put a ton, a ton of work into this, uh, so hopefully we can talk about it tomorrow night. Um, if not, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but um, I hope I can share it with you. So listen for tomorrow night's 
uh, podcast as well. And don't forget Alec, who won the T-shirt from our previous trivia contest. I will be in touch with you. Thanks, everybody. Tampa Bay lighting up 3-1 in the Stanley Cup final. Have a chance to clinch the cup with Saturday's game, 8 p.m. against the Dallas Stars. That is back on NBC. That is main NBC. Uh, so that's 8 o'clock. Of course, we'll be back with another recap here on the podcast. Don't forget, I'll be on with Greg Lanelli and Jay Retcher for a roundtable on the Lightning pregame show. Then, of course, I'll join Jay after the game on 95.3 for a segment as well. And then, of course, the podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Subscribe download, rate, everything you got to do. I appreciate it. We'll talk again after Saturday's game. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.